Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. I have so much to catch up on. I know Vaughn is just the person to fill me in. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. And as you know, there are no slow news days in British Columbia. Good to have you back. I hope you got some rest. (laughs) I got some rest. I did. So I was ready to come back to work, which I know is unusual when you're on vacation. But I have so many questions. Can we we start with this hospital film shoot situation? What is going on here? Well, the big story is that the New Democrats are on the defensive about the state of the healthcare system. The anecdotal evidence of patients waiting for life-saving cancer care and so forth has been piling up. There's been a lot of stories and the government's making excuses. In that context, you're starting to get a lot of focus on some very strange decisions. So last week, we discovered that the... Fraser Health was renting a motel to put patients in, overflow patients, they said, patients that needed kind of some looking after but didn't need a hospital ward. And while everyone's digesting that news, we get Global's discovery that uh, they'd set aside an entire floor of the Peace Arch Hospital for a film shoot. So, you know, how... What? That, that doesn't cases, make those two things together do not make don't. any sense. And you know, as as happens, because they rarely tell us very much in advance, uh, Fraser Health was reduced to scrambling to explain what went on. So the motel, Sammy, is for uh, patients that would normally be discharged, but patients who for one reason or another are on their own and can't be looked after. So they need uh, a place where they can be get low-level monitoring, but not the round-the-clock attention that they would get in hospital. So that's what the motel is all about. The film shoot? Well, here's the story. Believe it if you're not or not. The story is that the system, when it has unused facilities, and in this case, that part of the hospital was being going to be renovated anyway, so no patients were being displaced. They make it available to uh, for film shoots, and the revenue for that uh, goes to help cover the cost of the healthcare system. And it was only a few days, right? It wasn't sort of going on and on and on. They weren't not like they were shooting an entire series at the hospital. Uh, not surprisingly, the liberals. Uh, MLA. She was elected as a liberal. She's now BC United. Eleanor Sturko came out, showed up at the hospital. Uh, she's the member for White Rock, so Peace Arch Hospital there, and said, come on, <laughs> this looks like hell, and it does. Uh, you know, the opposition is doing its best to try to capitalize on some of this stuff. I think they hit the mark on that one. And I have to think, Sammy, the public is hearing these explanations and going, I don't know if I'd buy that or not. You know, this is awfully contradictory to a member of the public. And I think they're right to be skeptical about the government's rationalizations for this. Yeah, if it was ready for renovation and wasn't being used much anyway, then why not put the low maintenance patients in there since they're low maintenance? That doesn't make any sense to me. Very good point. Uh, Okay, so there's Uh, that. And I want to ask you about the BC Ferry situation, too, because this is still quite contentious. This one is unfathomable to me because, and I apologize for the Marine reference, but seriously, the New Democrats took political control of BC Ferries and they installed 
a former NDP cabinet minister as chair of the board, and she brought in her handpicked CEO, and they fired the CEO they inherited from the previous government. And supposedly this was going to put the fairies on a new footing. And one of the first things they said they were going to do was we're going to reopen the contract with the ferry workers because they're in a five-year deal on wage increases that predate inflation. We're having trouble attracting ferry workers, attracting people to work for the ferry service. So we're going to reopen the contract in mid-contract. We're going to get a better deal. We're going to make ferries look like a better place to work. All of that was the agenda from the new regime at BC Ferries. So why? Here we are. The union is more unhappy with the new Democrat-run BC Ferries than they have been for years with the old BC Liberal-run BC Ferries. So uh, the union is going to the Labor Board, claiming that the, the Ferry Corporation was working around the union, trying to go around the union to negotiate a housing arrangement with workers. The union is also upset that the wage talks have gone nowhere. And I'm going like, the whole agenda here was to make it sound like the ferries were a better place to work. And you're an NDP government, so presumably you know how to work with a trade union. And what it looks like is uh, the message did not get through to ferries management. Situation is worse than ever. I don't understand how they've allowed it to go on this long. Yep. No, I, I <laughs> the whole thing has gone sideways, right? And I mean, there's no point in the government pretending that BC Ferries is independent anymore. They took political control of it. And when the New Democrats took political control of the ferries, everybody looking at it said, okay, you're going to wear everything that happens there now. Right. And so you've picked a fight with the trade union there at a time when supposedly you were trying to make the ferries look like a more attractive place to work. And you've done something that is a total no-no, which is going around the union and trying to negotiate directly with employees. Now, okay, I recognize this is just a complaint to the labor board. It isn't proven yet. But the fact that the union went that far and has now twice complained about this government's approach they complained that the offer on the table that was supposedly going to make the ferries look like a more attractive place to work wasn't good enough. And remember, it was the government that reopened the talks, not the union. And now the union is saying, and, and by the way, you're doing stuff that we're not sure that a, that a PC liberal government would have done, which is trying to bypass the union to negotiate directly with the employees. So it's very, very messy. And I, you know, the main objective here at the beginning, Simi, that I think the public would have agreed to was if the ferries are having trouble attracting workers because the pay and benefits haven't kept up, um, the government was well within its rights. Ferry Corporation leadership was well within its rights to say, let's reopen the contract early and address that in the contract. Fair enough. Yeah. That was the objective. Well, it's, the whole thing has gone sideways now. And, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking of is a ferry's a good place to work, the union is not going to be running any ads saying, hey, this is a great place to work. If they'd gotten a deal, I think you could have gotten the union involved in that 
Simi, you know, I'm an old, old guy, but when I went to high school in Nanaimo a century ago, the BC Ferries were seen as a great place to work. The pay was good. The benefits were good. You got to come home every night. And it was a lot better than working in the pulp mill where you were up to your neck in dangerous chemicals and you didn't have a hazmat suit. So it's amazing how the ferries have migrated to not being seen as a great place to work. This whole exercise was intended to put it back on track and get that reputation reestablished. Good pay, good benefits, job security. Instead, it's gone horribly sideways on them. That's my question exactly. What's going on when I heard this story about the Vancouver Park Board and the big announcement? I know it's been discussed a lot, so I don't want to bore people with this. But Vaughn, I'm curious about the provincial response to what Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim has said that he wants to do, which is eliminate the park board. And I thought, well, surely the provincial government would say, ho, ho, we are not going to repeat the mistake that we did in Surrey. We're going to make sure there's a referendum this time. Well, they haven't said there's going to be a referendum yet, and we can talk about why they haven't said that. But look, there was some genuine political drama last week. So at 10 o'clock on Wednesday night, Vancouver City Council wrapped up its meeting, a marathon meeting discussing the fate of the park board. And it ended up with Ken Sim and his ABC majority passing a motion that called on the provincial government to amend the Vancouver Charter, provincial legislation, to allow the city to get rid of the elected park board. And so that's 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. (laughs) Mayor Sim and ABC certainly felt they'd thrown the ball into the provincial government's court. 10 o'clock the next morning, 12 hours later, David Eby tosses the ball right back. The provincial government hears the request from the city of Vancouver and quote marks, respects it. And then Eby says, we are looking forward to a transition plan from the city And it's a transition plan that must address engagement with First Nations, the fate of the unionized workers for the park board. It's an NDP government, right? They're not going to overlook that. And the future of park facilities. So immediately, the government has turned around and said, yeah, we know what you're asking us for. Uh, Before we do anything on this, We want to see a plausible transition plan. Uh, Simi, uh, that is the provincial government saying in code, we learned the lesson from letting Surrey suck us into one of these issues, and it isn't going to happen again. Now, the interesting part about that, too, is the engagement with First Nations, right? Because Vancouver City Council had the chance to do that before and did not. That's right. There was a motion in front of council put there by Christine uh, um, Boyle Boyle, uh, of one city. And the motion basically said that the city won't do anything to change the future of the park board until it has first consulted the First Nations that surround Vancouver. Uh, the ABC majority voted that down, and one ABC councillor kind of gave away their attitude about it when he said, oh, this is frivolous. (laughs) 
Timmy, frivolous. we live in an era where there is nothing frivolous That's about right. the need to. It's the UNRIP era, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. Even if the city of Vancouver doesn't seem fit to consult First Nations, and it should because Ken Sim is pledged to UNRIP, uh, even if they don't think it's essential, there's no way the provincial government's going to take one of these things up unless the city can assure them that they've done that. So it's, uh, I guess I go, uh, how much thought did Ken Sim and his council majority give to this thing? How well did they consult the provincial government before going there? Because the rumblings we're hearing over here, Simi, is that Ken Sim and his council majority should not assume that even if they deliver a transition plan that's plausible, which they haven't done, even if they do that, the council should not assume that the government is going to do what it wants in terms of legislation this year. <clears throat> the yeah. spring session, well, the spring session of the BC legislature is loaded up with government agenda, and it's an election year. The New Democrats have already shortened the session from 12 weeks to 10 weeks. And they are going to be focused on their agenda, not Ken Sims' agenda. And the last thing they want is some issue in front of the legislature that's going to divide the city of Vancouver and lead to a whole bunch of debate. There won't be a fall session of the legislature next year simply because of the election. So, you know, again, I go, how much thought did Sim and ABC give to this thing Uh before they launched it, yeah. there is not necessarily going to get what they want next year. This is what I'm wondering about this, too. Like, was it just a press conference? You know, because where is the plan? You would think that you would have told the public, here's what we're thinking. What do you? What would you like to see happen here? Here's how we're going to do this. And this is how it's going to happen. All, none of that seemed no. to actually unfold with this. No, and my, my colleague, Dan Fomano, who covers City Hall for Post Media, has had another interesting angle on it. So when Sim first launched this thing and announced it, he said it was going to save millions of dollars. So Fomano said, could I see the paperwork on the millions yeah. of dollars you're going to save? Seems reasonable. If you got rid of the elected chair of the Vancouver Park Board and the six commissioners, you they're only paid part-time. The saving would be $150,000, which is like one-tenth of 1% 1 of the entire park board budget. So Fumano said, can I see the details? And the city Sims office said, uh, we'll get back to you on that. They still haven't. Hmm. So what this tells you, Simi, is they launched this thing without any kind of financial statement that they're prepared to release to the public about where are these savings. So... You know, the Park Board is a controversial institution. I think anyone who's followed their incompetent handling sure. of the Stanley Park train would go, well, maybe we don't need an elected Park Board. <laughs> right. On the other hand, it does take a certain amount of skill to lose a public relations battle with an agency yeah. that troubled. And so far, I would say Ken Sim is losing the battle. Mm, sure seems that way to me. All right. Uh, thank you so much for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simmy.